What were you going to say? This is something else. And we got a professional recording studio in a yurt on a farm in the middle of nowhere in the darkness. With a wood stove. With a wood stove. And granola bars. It's just probably there's like in no one's imagination is this happening right now. <laughs> so are we alive? Maybe this recording proves it though. Yeah. Yeah, it's warm and comfortable, that's for sure. You know, I, I would tell my students always, if I can teach you how to see, I can teach you how to draw. Because drawing is about seeing, you know, it's really... I've noticed that, yeah, yeah. especially with eyes and yeah. noses. Yeah, I love teaching portraits. And lips. Yeah. Like... But there's, there's these real simple things that you could learn about, you know, that um, I can teach you right now. Um, when you're doing... When you're doing the face, the eyes are in the middle of the head, and people think they're much higher, but from here to here is the same distance as here to the top of the head. Um, and when you draw somebody's eyes, there are actually five eyes across. The distance between here and here is the same distance as an eye. Uh -huh. And then if you're looking straight on, you get another eye here, so there's really five eyes across. And if you drop a line straight down from here, you come to the width of the nose, and the width of the nose is the same distance as one eye. So these are all little tricks proportion. In, in proportion and seeing. And then if you drop a line always straight down from the center of the eye, you come to the edge of the mouth. So that's always a proportion. Um, nostrils, what really makes it look like the person in terms of portraiture is people's nostrils. Everybody's shape here is really different. Everybody's shape here. So, I mean, even though those proportions are the same on everybody, these little bits like wh how your eye comes in here or the shape within here or how the two lips meet that line is an important line because where the two lips when some when you're drawing somebody with their mouth closed that line really is different on everyone mm -hmm. and this edge here is different on everyone so there's just those little kind of tricks that you then start to see um, and I would tell my students okay now I want you to go watch your teachers teaching you and tell me about them when you come back and they'd say ah he has such big ears or that teacher has like huge lips or wow did you notice the nostrils on that whereas you just don't even think of that yeah until you sort of uh, okay anyway i washed i went on a janitorial job when i was nine years old with my mom's ex father and mother-in-law and I think I washed my first window at nine years old with bad success paper towels and some sort of Windex. And then I started a janitorial service when I was in high school after I had worked for my mom's ex-husband and a few other companies. I decided I shouldn't be making $6 an hour. I should be making a, a contractor's amount of money by getting my own gigs. And so I just went entrepreneurial and just went out and found uh, I think I, my first one was um, a doctor's office and was I was sort of dating his daughter but she was really in love with another guy who she's now married to but he hired me on and then I got an optometrist office then I got a real estate office and then um, I messed all that up with <laughs> a mild mild drug addiction mild 
Well, it just mild in that I, it didn't ruin all of my teeth and it didn't kill me. And I quit without going to treatment. What was the drug? I was, what do they called it? Crank back then, I think. I think it was like shitty methamphetamines. How long were you doing that for? Oh, I think I did it for a couple. No, I think I did it for about a year before it completely ruined my business because I was going into work. Um, See, so, you now this this is the stuff I'll be like, oh, wait, wait, no, don't publish that. No, no, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed. Well, like I I'm said, prou- I'm proud of what makes me who I am now. Well, pride might be a little bit. Like I said, I'm not going to put anything. Pride might be on the edge of agriculture, but uh, it's not really pride. But I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed of what I've done. I've enjoyed all of my experiences um, with mind-altering substances. And I think that, you know, that's how you channel creative design sometimes. Not necessarily meth. But maybe. Maybe. So you were. So I, I I lost my big account, and then I was a wage slave again for a couple of years. And, and how old were college. you? I was in my early twenties. I was uh, twenty, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. It's probably twenty three or twenty four when I went through that first round. Yeah. First round of window washing, or first round of of drug hard drugs of doing hard drugs, snorting, snorting and smoking meth. Crank, as it was called in the early 90s and late 80s. So you so, got into it a couple of times. Yeah, I had another round with it here in Ojai, in the mid-aughts, 05, 06. And what what made you choose to go back to it? Uh, the reason was because I got asked to um, <clears throat> help a family here in Ojai move from Ojai to Silver City, New Mexico. And I was commissioned to drive a Penske, 25-foot Penske truck from Ojai to Silver City four times. And so I asked a friend if they knew where I could get anything that could help me to stay awake. And it opened some doorways that probably should have stayed closed. But, you know, who can say why things happen? And then I just kind of became like a little habit again. And then it kind of ruined. It, It kind of tends to ruin things. It do, you're not rational. You're not like sensible under the influence. But I love it. I mean, it's, I love the feel of it. I love the illicitness of it. I love the um, the wrongness of things sometimes. The wrongness of things? The wrongness, yes. The incorrect aspect of the getting away with it thing, kind of. And um, I've always kind of liked uppers better than downers. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty good now. It's like beer and weed, pretty much, are my vices. Yeah. It's also, like you said, nice to just not, just to carve out time where nothing else matters. Yeah. You know? That's what I feel like, you know, with the filmmaking thing. It's like, that's what I want people to do for me or and vice versa you know it's like when you make a film or when I hopefully make another film it's going to be a you know two three four five week project you know of shooting basically 
and I want everyone who's involved in the project to take that time out of their life and basically give it to the project. You know, that's what you're asking when you do yeah. a film like that. There's something really nice when you do that and everyone wants to be there and they're not worried about other things and you're there just doing that because they want to do that. And it's like this, it's like out of time. It's like you carve out this little piece of time and it's like separate from everything else. And it's like the only, within that space is like, is really where a lot of just wonderful things can happen yeah so i think it's important to just keep trying to carve it out carve it out in whatever small quantity large quantity one-on-one 20 on 20 whatever you know so it's in the same it's in the same spirit or whatever you know there's something pure about it yeah something but yeah i i definitely struggled with presence like not being present all the time for sure it's like always thinking about something somewhere right i mean dreaming you know dreaming of stuff of things and ideas and yeah like what what kind of stuff well you know i mean anything like uh, when i go to sleep at night i it takes me an hour at least before I fall asleep because I'm just thinking about the future, basically. Uh, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> how how am I going to, you know, I have these vague notions of where I want to be and what it looks like and the, the uh, project I want to do and what it would take to do that. I just think about the logistics of that, and I think about all these things. It's like, you know, it happens, like, I'll just be in a conversation with somebody, and then all of a sudden start thinking about that, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, wouldn't that be really cool if I, what if I just, what if I took two cameras, and I put, and I sent them to different corners of the world, (laughs) collected the footage. Oh, yeah, yeah, lunch tomorrow? Yeah, uh, sure. You know, it's like, it's easy for my mind to drift especially if i'm like not that's the thing was like with doing something creative or doing not something creative but something like that doesn't fully engage you your mind will drift from it you know and then you're not present so it's like what does it take to actually engage somebody you know what does it take because i found it difficult at at times to to really engage with things i mean even if it's something as simple, like, when I was living here, like, food, or just, for me, I, like, I don't engage in food, you know? Like, I eat food so I can, like, serve, like live and, like, get to the next thing, you know? I don't, like, take the food and just, like, you know, I don't, I don't have that, like, relationship or engagement with food. I mean, maybe I do in some ways, but for the most part, it's, like, I, I eat this because I'm hungry and... This will get me to the next step, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just about doing it not thinking about it, really. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, um, <clears throat> yeah, pretty much everything. Just do. Don't think, just do. That's, like, what I would, if I had, like, one lesson to give myself, 
if I was like if I was like wiser than I am right now, then I would take that advice. <laughs> you know, because it's like the only answer, really. Just do things. Yeah. You know. I watched my brother go through alcoholism and addiction and stuff, so I think it gave me a lot of perspective on where things can go if you want them to take you there. And you don't have to go there, and you can still flirt with addiction or be addicted, but still get out of it on your own terms. I mean, I've started and stopped cigarettes, too, many times in my life, and I've been off cigarettes for like four years now. I just feel like when I knew it was time to quit doing something that wasn't serving me, I could stop. I didn't need to throw myself at the feet of some sort of system or in a, like a, a, a treatment facility in order to like stop doing something I could stop. I did anyway. I had <clears throat> done a year of creative writing in college my last year, I think. Whatever it was, it was, I had done a year of creative writing. I had focused a lot on poetry and I was done with school and I took the creative writing program at U of O was really good. So I kind of took it to this, this poet slash professor in the creative writing program, took some of my poems to him. Uh, Robert Long, I think is his name. I didn't really like his poetry that much. I might like it now if I read it, but. And he just like, he had read what I showed him before. Uh, before I came in and talked to him. So I, I go in there and he's like, you're really into process, aren't you? <laughs> and I think it was kind of like, it was kind of a side or like kind of a veiled criticism that like your poetry is not that good, but you're really into like how you make it. <laughs> and I never really went back to poetry in, in, in a, in a school, like in a school sense after that, because I think he was right. I don't think that what I was writing was very good. But Have you written something recently? Yeah. Yeah. A lot. No surprises await from places that should not have been. Only ghosts in defense of nothing but dissipation and cigarette smoke. The graceful unwillingness to hold shape. I forgot. All our gifts are curses that hold words, searing hot irons of permanence, branding us with truth, impelling us forward. We fall sharp. <laughs> I think I lost this, <laughs> the last couple of lines in this one. Impelling us forward whole, we fall short of the moon. The moon never wanted anyone. I think I messed up or was too intoxicated on <laughs> those last lines. The, uh, the drinking, the writing, the drinking, the writing. How old are you? I'm 33. 33, okay. Yeah. I can relate, okay. Having gone back into my past, yes, okay. It's a good time for asking questions. It's a good time for an adolescence. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's good, if it's a good qualifier, but do you, I'm curious to know more, like what's inspiring you to make these 
steps and changes. And if you know where you, you're headed, but you're healthy. This isn't some sort of like overarching. You're not trying to insinuate something else. Are you healthy? Insinuate something else? I don't know. I mean, you're like, I think I'm going to be ending or moving on or something. I don't know. I'm just, I want to, I just want to make sure you, 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 you have fortitude. You haven't been diagnosed with some mysterious illness. No, I would say that I've been pretty depressed. Okay. Uh, but that's not a diagnosis beyond my own self and feeling. Uh, <clears throat> I think a lot of the times that I've been here, I've thought about wanting to leave or wanting to be able to do something else or wanting to do these kind of side projects. And it's been five years and I haven't been able to get to them with the exception of this you know, which is just kind of the beginning of something, or mm -hmm. I'm not really sure where it's going. Um, but for the most part, I've had ideas of wanting to do something else or wanting to experience other things, and the day-to-day -day grind here has kind of disallowed that. And sure. I think when we talked a year ago, I was still really feeling creatively engaged and kind of like the business running a business and the, the challenges of that and it's always felt really creative here but I think that it's become more institutionalized in a sense in this past year like in order for this to keep going it doesn't really require a lot of like creative orchestration it just kind of requires somebody being here and doing it on the day-to-day -day. so packing and shipping packing and shipping I spend every other day Packing and shipping. Thank uh, you, by the way. I got a nice packet of seeds. You're welcome. In the mail. I, I assume you sealed it with a big kiss. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was happy that you contributed. Hey, um, I love contributing to Kickstarter programs that are like by friends or in cool areas. That makes me happy. That was kind of the peak. I mean, and I think that that was kind of the beginning of feeling the burnout come on of just that was a very successful campaign, but it was yeah. really hard to do. And it was hard to do because I've been running the company alone this year, mostly out of economic reasons. Justin and I haven't been working together because there was never enough of an income for two people, but there was enough of an income for my relatively small needs. So. And that's with the seat company. I mean, are you still doing CSA this year? I'm not involved in the farm on a day-to-day -day basis anymore. We split them into separate businesses in the beginning of the year. Uh -huh. They're connected still. Um, the farm has been producing seeds, and the seed company has been buying the seeds, and we've kind of developed a, a cost formula. Um, it was really a pragmatic choice to separate them as businesses. Some of the expenses were kind of playing off of each other. It, it makes a lot of sense that you would have a farm and a seed company connected, but they just have different kind of economic needs, and those were kind of getting all meshed up. And the seed company was always the thing that was growing and, and creating the most income, and that was kind of hard to see when a lot of it was kind of being going back into the farm and stuff like that. And then also the vice versa was... We kind of started the seed company using the farm's money. You know, we started basically two businesses. And that part of the reason why things were so hard is because any extra money that was coming from the farm was going directly into funding an, another startup business. Sure. So 
pretty much with those two things separated it's they've actually you know on the books they're now both successful businesses so that was kind of the the motivation of separating those things and in terms of my involvement with the farm I've I've been very involved for about half of the year not doing the CSA but just kind of like helping coordinate seed production and just helping out with a lot of loose ends but it's kind of the same case as the seed company where there is only really income for one person so I haven't garnered any income from the farm for the entire year I've kind of just stayed involved in it as a business because I'm a part owner right now but there really hasn't been a wage for me there because there hasn't been enough money to go around so so okay then what do you want to do what's your creative uh if these things that you say probably or maybe could happen, I like how you qualify. And I say probably there. because Justin and I have an agreement right now, but he still needs to come up with the money. And the idea is oh, that basically he's going to come up with the money before the end of the month. And then at that case, in that case, you know, I'm going to sign the papers and sell in the business. In terms of the farm... I just have a love of agriculture and having done it for five years and knowing how meager of an income there is on this scale uh, and the fact that Sean is so committed uh, and dedicated and passionate about farming and knowing what we already went through one buyout, uh, Sean bought Justin's part of the farm and and I bought into Sean's farming infrastructure when she came down here last year just knowing that that was kind of a hassle to put all together and that really wasn't that much money and knowing also the struggle in general of small super like micro scale agriculture the, the way that this is like basically I was kind of just sitting out here on a whim one day this summer and I basically just decided that I was going to give her my half of the business because it didn't really feel worth uh, trying to add things up again and, you know, getting some small amount of money. It just felt like it would be easier for her if she could just have it. And just in general, like, not a lot of people really understand the plight of small farmers of this, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, respect and, like, kind of, I don't know, adoration or something like that, but I think that there's not a lot of understanding of like the day-to-day struggles with it. So I think that that's kind of just been the person that I've wanted to be in this year is just somebody who really understands that. And I think that one thing that I could do to show that understanding is to give my share to somebody who's wants to keep going and keep doing it because a, f- right. a farm in this valley is important in and of itself beyond yeah. the economic issues so not a lot of people recognize that but uh, you know I do so I figured that I could act on that recognition and and give it to her so none of these things are finalized that's why I say probably but I'll most likely uh, do some stuff with her in the spring regardless of my technical involvement with the business but do you have a place on the planet where you see yourself like some place you want to go I feel like everything is a question mark right now. I mean, I feel like... Because you spent time in New York, right? And then I lived in New York City. I I grew up in Eugene. 
I lived between California and Oregon growing up. I've spent time in Scandinavia um, four times. I've spent periods of time in Scandinavia. What country? uh, Finland mostly. Okay. But also uh, the last time I was there, I went to Sweden and Holland. Um, Love it. Love Amsterdam. Yeah. I kind of didn't. It reminded me of New York too much. Really? Uh, Yeah. How so? Well, I mean, New York is New Amsterdam. I mean, that was the original name. And it was just kind of crowded like New York. And everybody loves the bicycles, but it's like you can't even walk on the sidewalk. The bicycle pace there is outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're more in danger of being hit by a bicycle. Yeah. So it was like, you know, it was cool, but it was also just felt like kind of a claustrophobic East Coast city, which is what my experience was in New York. I, yeah, I get that feeling in New York, definitely. New York is uh, the pressure of New York, like, settles in on me within a couple of days. And I just, I end up having some sort of tearful meltdown every time I'm in New York. Yeah, I, somebody said to me that if you can survive in New York, you can survive anywhere. Yeah. I don't really know if I survive very well there. Um, I've, it was a pretty difficult time in terms of, like, if I can think about difficult times, it was... New York, and it was kind of now. I've been like the two most difficult times of my life. Uh, so, is it what you're not doing do you think that's causing your state of depression at the moment, or do you think it's because of what you are doing and feeling trapped within what you are doing? I think or one is of the it clinical. It's possible. I mean, from talking with my mom, I think that there is that history. I don't really know. Physiologically, I've never, I don't know, I've never really believed or never wanted to believe that there is such thing as physiological uh, Like some sort of chemical imbalance in yeah. the brain that could be corrected through SSRIs? Yeah, but I'm, through this experience, I've kind of been open to all options. And what's your sign? I'm a cancer. Cancer, very sensitive. Very my way or the highway. Which can be dangerous a line to tread when you're working with other people. Part of the difficulty of this project is that it's required so much work and so much focus and so much willpower and so much dedication because it's operated on such meager uh, funds. Sure. That it really has kind of taken a hit on my social life. and So you need love. You need affection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's hey, what you and that hasn't really been possible and things are better than they ever I mean, the Kickstarter campaign was in a sense it's kind of strange that all of this was happening when uh, that all of this has happened at the same time. The company is successful for the first time. Like everything is in the black. I'm sure. earning money very easily, not that much, but but you have your day-to-day needs met. You have a Beautiful. But in order to make it something more, like, it requires more of that pushing that I've been doing all of these years. Like, it requires somebody to keep going and keep, like, keep pushing it and keep growing it. Because, yeah, it's paying the bills, but it's not really, like, getting me ahead at all. And so in order to stay with this, I, I have to stay with a day-to-day grind. And that day-to-day grind has kind of been incompatible with my just feeling like kind of socially empty you know and so 
that's kind of what's led me to conclude that I'm kind of done. And I don't also, it just, I think that there's a creative aspect of running a business, but I think also like this is a business that requires actually management and more people. And that I've never really been comfortable with, like telling other people what to do or delegating tasks or just being, being that creative manager that's never really seen as like a creative thing at all. Right. I could relate. So I think that something that's kind of come out of this struggle has just been, I want to survive off my creative labor. Like I don't want to go back into some wage slavery job. I found with window cleaning, like I can say I'm embarrassed to just be a 44 year old college educated, you know, a fancy janitor, or I can spin it in my mind as some sort of like, um, beneficial spiritual task. That's like really bringing light to the people that I serve. And I, I feel like intention is absolutely necessary to maintain sanity in that context because it's it is like really just grunt work that anybody can do and i'm me and i like who i am but i'm also choosing to do i'm cleaning for people i'm just cleaning i mean there's also like housekeepers in these houses too and there's you know someone mowing the lawn out in the front yard um so I'm kind of in this service set of people, but then there's a speciality to it as well. So, I mean, I have to internally spin my experience so that I can feel good about what I'm doing because it's easy to also just be like, oh yeah, well, I'm, you know, I, I trained to be a writer and look at me, I'm just washing windows. I'm just a fancy janitor but then if i'm like no it's like clarifying and it's esoteric it's magical work and this whole process is this and then you know it just makes it more fun when especially at the end of the day when it's like 110 degrees and you have to climb back up the ladder for the 15th time to go to i mean it's just brutal sometimes this summer you know probably working in the farm working around i'm sure you don't have a ton of air conditioners on this portion of the property it was a pretty brutal summer. Yeah. August, September, pretty yeah. rough. So do you go back and forth with that a lot, though? I mean, you said that you oh, kind definitely. of... Oh, definitely. I'm, kind I'm of, terrifically analytical, and I'm also self-deprecating to a fault. Less so. The older I get, the less I am. But I think there's this weird transition point, too, in my experience between 20s and 40s, that being the 30s, where you're like, well, I'm not a, just a 20-year-old kid anymore. I'm kind of more of a man now I'm more of an adult but I'm still like kind of you know kind of confused and stuff about like what my real path is and well you know what am I really doing with my life and I mean do I have purpose and uh, you know also then there's just like the, the the desire to 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 love and be loved and you know the those forces of creativity within us that need to be quenched um, the, the 40s are such a relief in some ways I'm so happy to be beyond my 30s. <laughs> I don't know if that's very encouraging. But it, I don't, for me, nobody's experience, I'm sure, is the same as mine. But still, I, I just know that once I worked through my 30s and I wasn't, I was way out of my 20s. And I, I, I felt more comfortable in my own skin. That's all. For filmmaking, and this, I guess this would extend for any, to anything, maybe, but 
how the how is the what for me how is what you know it's like the one thing i can't remember where i heard that but maybe in a book or something but it just makes so much sense to me like it's not really about what you're doing it's how you do it you know like and that speaks to this idea that like nothing's original or whatever but it's uh how you approach something and how it gets put together ends up influencing and directly causing the resulting work to be what it is. So how is what? I always think about that. Process is product. In other words, that's another way of saying it maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I was saying, I guess I was saying process helps presence. Maybe it's like process helps engagement and therefore how you do something is like the, the difference between engaging something or not you know which is seems definitely true i mean if you like if you're in a place where you like want people to engage or you want to be able like you said to have that influence or something it's like how do you how do you do that you know you can't just keep doing the same thing. You got to find new, different dynamic hows in order to to f- find the result. I guess. Yeah, yeah, I like that. 